0: Welcome to the Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. It's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Giordano.
1: Hello and welcome. Hope you're having a creative day. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I am Lorraine Giordano, host of the show. I'd love to hear from you. If, like, if you'd like to connect, you can like me on Facebook at inspired to health You can follow me on Twitter at Inspire2Health. And you can find me on LinkedIn. I'll spell my name out, L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E, Giordano, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. And you can check out my website, Inspired2Health.com. Actually, no inspired to (laughs) health.net. So let's take a couple of breaths like we normally do. Settle in if you have had a hectic day. Connect back to your body using your breath. And then I'm really excited about today's episode. You know, in previous shows, we've talked about um, the sacral chakra. So As human beings, it's part of our nature to create. And the sacral chakra relates to emotions, feelings, and creativity. So it's your second chakra. It's above your root chakra. It's a little below your navel. So today's, um, today's episode focuses on the process of creativity. And so when we take problems and make them into solutions... We're using our creativity. When we take raw materials and transform them into something new, we're using our creative energy. And our guest today, Jada Fabrizio, she is quite extraordinary with her ability to direct her creative energy, to take materials and and to um, create a feeling out of that. So we're going to talk about the healing properties of art with Jada And Jada is an American photographer. She's going to tell us about her process in a few minutes. But she's going to talk about her creative process and how those creations create an opportunity for feeling. So if you'd like to connect with Jada, you can check out her photography. And I highly recommend during this episode that you take a moment, like right now, and uh, pull up her website, jadafab.com. And that's spelled J A D A F A B dot com. Jadafab.com. You can check her out on Twitter at JadaFab. You can like her on Facebook at Jadafab. And what's exciting is that she's about to have a huge exhibit in at Mammoth Museum, uh, which is presenting New Jersey's Emerging Artist Series. And this exhibit is kicking off uh, on August 18th, on Friday. And it's going to last to September 17th. And so if you're in the neighborhood, in the tri-state area, and you want to see some awesome creative work, um, please check out Monmouth Museum and check out Jada Fab's work. And um, she's also doing a gallery talk, and she'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, on September 13th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, Jada, welcome.
2: Hello, hello. How are you?
1: I am great. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm glad to be on your show and talk about art and healing and uh, give a little insight into what I'm doing now and what I did before what I'm doing now. And yes. invite people to come to see my show at Mammoth County Museum on Friday and, uh, and reach out to me if they if they want to at any of those uh, previous mentioned sites.
1: Yes, so let's talk about your process. Let's kick it off. Um, I'm curious to know um, when and what inspired you to become a photographer.
2: Well, I didn't start out as a photographer. Um, I was always making images, but I started out writing flash fiction, which is very, very short fiction, Um, usually 100 words. And what I liked about that, 100 to 200 words, what I liked about flash fiction was that you had to tell a complete story within a very uh, short period of time. Um, And... um, and, I, and I, I had a writer's group, and I was doing that for a while. All the same time, I um, was working as a graphic designer to make money, and my account was Nikon. So I got some really good cameras, and I just started um, messing around and taking portraits of people. And I really felt connected to the people that I was photographing, and I was really trying to get at something deep within them. And I had a knack for getting people to relax. And I found that the images I was making was, were really powerful. And so I started to um, expand that um, uh, that uh, expression into doing self-portraits, which I did for a long time. And uh, being able How- to tell the... Being able to tell the stories visually, I found to be more exciting than writing, which, because you know, when you write, it's mostly rewriting and rewriting. With photography, it was more immediate and uh, and really more fun, and it was social in a way at the beginning. So that's um, what inspired me to become a photographer was the ability to tell a story and to connect with people.
1: And how long did you um, photograph yourself?
2: When I started uh, doing the self-portraits, I was going through uh, a very difficult period. So the images, the self-portrait images, were strictly autobiographical. I was dealing with breast cancer. Um, I had, um, had to have a hysterectomy. I had an eating disorder at the time. And focusing on my work was a way of resolving my, some of my medical issues psychologically. Um, I had an image called uh, Enough to Eat. It's a black and white image. And I had uh, to address my eating disorder, I made a necklace out of bent forks. And um, I wore them when I photographed them. And the forks would actually almost pierce me, dug into my skin. And it was my way of expressing the fact that eating disorders aren't really about being thin. It's about pain, and it's about expressing pain that you feel by denying yourself food. So that image was actually very successful, and it it was published several times and shown in New York and, and several places. Um, and there were others like that. I had um, They had given me some medicines to after breast cancer to keep um uh I guess they give you this tamoxifen or these uh in, a- estrogen inhibitors and they were making me very very ill and so I um I did a piece called this medicine is killing me and it was me laying on uh laying on my back and my arm was disappearing and alongside me were bottles and bottles of medicines that uh Um, And which is how I felt at the time. I felt as if I were disappearing. So basically what started out as a a way to connect to people and tell their stories turned into, with the black and white self-portrait images, turned into a way for me to connect to myself and connect to my pain, the pain that I was feeling at the time. And it was very, very therapeutic. Um, I had a whole year where I made a series of uh, very stark white images. So the, 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 they were black and white, but the primary focus was on white and on um, images of leaving, because I had a friend who just, uh, the friendship dissolved. It had been mm. a long friendship, and it ended, and it, it really affected me and so I made a lot of it, these images, these very stark, lonely images of leaving, and it, it really helped me to get over that, and it, it really helped me to understand what I was feeling. You know, sometimes you just don't know what you're feeling. It's just too hard to to comprehend. Sometimes the emotions are too big, and in order to... to get these emotions and feelings across, if you use yourself creatively as a creative tool and express yourself in different ways, the feelings have a way of sneaking out and understanding has a way of coming out of the images that you make. So so I guess what I'm trying to say is not to, to create an image with any intention, but the intention comes out. So when I made these images, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to make an image about eating disorders. It was just one day. I just made this necklace, and 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 it just happened.
1: So, it's a way of you expressing feelings that you might not be able to vocalize,
2: or even consciously, or even consciously feel. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 you know a lot of a lot of um, the term surrealist has always been sort of a term that's hovered around my work, and. I, I don't usually like to, you know, put terms or, or put any kind of label on, on myself or my work. Um, sometimes I do it myself because it's just easier. But in surrealism, it's not the work, the the work that when you approach it, making a surrealist piece of work, I don't think you approach it with any intention. But I think that through creativity and through expression... The intention comes through because it's in you it 's in your subconscious you just don 't know it so that that was a long period i made yeah I made that work from uh, two thousand six to two thousand and fifteen and the uh, the the lessons that I learned from doing that work was very, very important uh, it really brought me from uh, uh, from a very, from a, from really living kind of in a very dark and scary place, into a place where I could function and 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 be well enough to show the work and and advocate for it and get it out into galleries and get it out in the media, and um, people were collecting it. It was doing it was doing well, and I was happy about that.
1: We're gonna take a break. Uh... In a minute, but before we go, I wanted to ask you: When you look at those pieces today, um, do you see that with such a sense of um, transformation from where you were to where you are today?
2: No, oh, I see. I look when I look at that work today, and it's you know, like I said, deeply personal. I I feel a real sense of courage, and I feel that being able to Put such a deep personal work out was really courageous and, and really makes me feel very powerful and strong, leaning into the vulnerability of that work.
1: Yes, and when we come back, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking about leaning into the vulnerability. For those listening, I really highly recommend that you check out... Uh, Jada's website jadafab.com check her out on at jadafab on Instagram and Facebook and uh, we're going to talk more about her exhibit coming up when we get back in two minutes
0: are listening to the womb happy hour to reach lorraine giordano her guest or if you have a comment on the show please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 or send an email to info at inspired to health.net now back to the womb happy hour
1: oh hi everybody this is your host lorraine giordano you're listening to the womb happy hour And if you're just tuning in, our lovely guest today is Jada Fabrizio, an American photographer. And um, if you haven't had a chance, please check out her website, jadafab.com. And uh, she is about to have a large exhibit in Monmouth Museum at, uh, it's called the New Jersey Emerging Artist Series. And uh, Jada was just sharing prior to the break Her experience uh, from 2006 to 2015, her experience creating self-portraits. So, Jada, um, currently your work is, you're focusing um, on different work than your self-portraits. So is there a good
2: word? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah, I uh, moved away from, uh, I think what you're trying to say is I no longer photograph myself, (laughs) which is, um, uh, which was a big, uh, a big break. Um, And there were a lot of reasons why I stopped photographing myself.
1: And Um, what made you change your perspective, though? Is there uh, one particular thing, or was it a combination of things? It
2: was. It was. It was a combination of things. Um, I became more and more of a photographer. I started taking a lot of photography classes, and uh, I learned a lot about light, and and I had a whole bunch of new tools. And photographing myself, uh, when I was doing, when I was using myself as a model, I was using available light, which means sunlight. Um, and I was bending it or with uh, reflectors, but that was primarily um, uh, what I was doing. I wasn't using a lot of hot lights or strobes or anything like that. Um, and I became more interested in the actual craft of photography. And photo- when you're doing self-portraits, it's, it's, first of all, it's exhausting emotionally because, um, I guess I should mention to your audience, because it is the theater of the mind that, uh, you know, radio, that um, I wouldn't only photograph myself. I had made a promise that I would start, I would do a photograph a week. And so I would have the idea on Monday. And usually the photographs involved sets and props and or changing my body in certain ways to make it all work. So by the time friday would come i would have the i would have made the image um so that was exhausting and emotionally draining i also found that a lot of times i felt like the audience i was hoping that the audience would relate more to my images if they were if I could take myself out of them, so make some sort of universal icon, and so I I started to think about that, and the other thing is, I really felt a little, even though I loved photography, and I was getting more and more into lighting, and Different kinds of techniques and lenses and equipment I also missed working with my hands uh, and making or, or wanted to work with my hands and do something sculptural so I started creating these little sculptures these little um, characters that are um, sometimes they're creatures or critters that are infused with human characteristics sometimes they're humans um, but they're they're not based in reality that much. They're based in fantasy. And in doing this, and I still would could build, and I would also build the scenes in which they um, were living. So I could make my own little world. I could create my own reality with these creatures and with the sets that I put them in. And then I could tell stories that way. And I... Wanted to get away from telling my own autobiographical stories because I had done for a very long time, and so I started to tell stories about other people.
1: And your work is so intricate. So your new exhibit, photographic fairy tales. Can you talk about the images that you're presenting? Yeah. Some of them. Um,
2: they have twenty. I think I I gave them twenty one. Images, they use 20 images. Um, so it's a big solo show. Um, and the images are basically, there's, there are different categories of images. I have some images where I'm talking about things that happen to people in everyday life. For example, um, the image claimant of the year, I made it for my mom she um and she actually uh it's an image of an older older woman sitting on a bed uh holding a stuffed animal. Uh, I created the woman and the bed and the bedroom and um and she's wearing bunny ears so it's a statement it's it's a comment on my mother who was a beauty queen when she was younger and um a comment on getting older in this world and how our world views older women mm. um, and uh, it's a it's a poignant um uh picture it's really it really it's really one of my favorite pictures and plus my mom even crocheted the bedspread on the bed which is kind of interesting um so
1: it's you know, very cool that she was able to contribute to it.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's been she's been pretty. Uh, you know she she's always urging me to take pictures of something happy, like flowers or landscapes, and, you know, or you know, pretty pictures of people smiling. But what I've come to understand, though, that vulnerability is um, can be just as beautiful and happy if you look at it in a certain way, as those pictures of, you know, maybe synthetic happiness, as I call it.
1: (laughs) And before the break, you talked about leaning into the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Do you find that while you're going through your creative process, um, you feel extra vulnerable while you're making, or? There's
2: there's a part of me that's always trying to be, you know, you know, there's a part of i think everyone not just me where you don't want to feel those sort of icky feelings you don't want to feel weak or vulnerable and so you you want to you want to feel like you're being tough or strong and you look away from from the things like you know, an old woman sitting on a bed or, you know, a lonely a lonely person in a room or, you know, feeling like you've said the wrong thing or that you've done the wrong thing. But you really grow from those experiences. And by looking at them square, squarely and honestly, I think you can accept them instead of being afraid of them. So, I think where people think that vulnerability is weak, um, I think the fear of vulnerability is really what's weak and really and what really traps people, and it really keeps them from having human connections so in order to connect to the the subjects that i 'm talking about and the creatures that i 'm making and um, I need, to, I need to be able to tap into that vulnerability to make meaningful images and to connect to people. I think it's the only way to connect to people. I think once you stop feeling that, I think I would stop making anything of value at all. The image that's not in the show, which is kind of, um, kind of sad to me, was this image of these little shoes that I found in a thrift shop Store. And they're these children's shoes, and they must be from the turn of the century. They have a buckle. They're really like really cool-looking old shoes. But when I picked those shoes up, I really felt like something, something had happened to this child, or you know that that they had such a feeling of uh, these abandoned shoes have had such a feeling of emptiness. That wow. uh, I I photographed them on a on a, a whole bed of flowers and you can see it on my website um, and I used very dramatic lighting um, so you got kind of got the feeling of these empty shoes these vacant shoes but, I mean generally speaking I think empty shoes have is you know discarded shoes are kind of um, a statement of a lot of things but uh, these shoes in particular really called to me
1: yeah, and before we go to break in a couple of minutes, can you describe Queen for a Day?
2: Yes, I can. Queen for a Day uh, is another is another picture of an older woman. Uh she's standing in a room and she's uh, holding two grocery bags filled with groceries. And the grocery bags are really heavy. It's like weight. It's almost like the weight of every meal she's ever cooked for everybody who's gone through her uh, house, and every you know you can feel in the in her grocery bags you can feel every floor she's cleaned, every you know every child she's kissed good night, and here she is in the room. Uh, there's wind blowing through the window, and it's a child's room that she's standing in. And so almost as if, you know, things are, um, things are sort of winding down. And I think part of the reason why I'm making these older women pictures is because I do have elderly parents. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can see them where, you know, things that they would do so easily are becoming so difficult for them and I'm trying to I'm trying to understand it and I'm trying to I'm trying to hold it close to me and see what what comes out of it I haven't really re- resolved these feelings yet but I'm making these uh, old women um, because either either it's because my you know seeing them getting old is making me think about myself getting old and how much more How less easily I can even get up when I when I'm sitting on the steps, and so it's really making me think. Um, And so I'm making these images as just a way to express either my fear of my own um, aging or the fear of uh, having aging parents.
1: And on that note, we're going to take a break. Um, and I highly recommend for listeners to look at Jada's photography on jadafab.com, her website. And um, what she creates is so detailed, and there's such feeling um, in the in the characters, and the woman, and the different characters that you create. Um, so it's really worth checking out. And we'll be back in two minutes.
0: Are listening to the womb happy hour to reach lorraine giordano her guest or if you have a comment on the show please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 or send an email to info at inspired to health.net now back to the womb happy hour
1: hi everyone this is lorraine giordano your host on the womb happy hour We are having a fascinating conversation with Gita Fabrizio, uh, an American photographer, um, who's telling us about her creative process and how her work inspires vulnerability and feeling. And um, prior to the break, she was sharing with us, and you can check out her website, gitafab.com, which I highly recommend. Uh, But she was telling us about some a couple of pieces of her work. And so I could listen to you for days, Jada, oh, about you, you describe your work, and I've seen your work, but I think the way you even describe it is very emotionally charged. Like, it it, it resonates. So thank I you. would like to ask you, um, would you say you're having a love affair with the work that you're doing? Um, well...
2: I think that the word or the term love affair is uh, is thrilling and dangerous. Uh, when you think of a, a love affair, it's uh, it's not just you know uh, you know two people have been married a long time. It's an affair. It's a, some sort of a dangerous and and uh, exciting and adventure, uh, like in a movie. Um, And so in that way, making art is both those things. It's thrilling and dangerous because each piece is, is like, is entering into the unknown. I don't think that it's, um, it's not a, it's, it's not a thought out process exactly. I mean, I have a, loose idea of what I want to do but it's also sort of like uh, and I love swimming in the ocean and anybody who swims in the ocean knows it's like diving into the waves you just you don't really know what's going to happen to you in there and so whenever I start making um, a piece it's it starts out um, I'll start out thinking about maybe some sort of uh uh something I overheard on a subway, and I'll think, hmm, that could be an interesting idea, and so I'll start making a set, and then it'll evolve into something else, and then it'll evolve into something else, and then I'll finally have what I've completed, and it'll be kind of a surprise to me in some ways, and then only only then does the meaning reveal itself to me. So it's sort of like a love affair in a way of you're entering into something that is a little bit unknown, a little bit scary.
1: So it it makes And it's trusting the creative process, your creative process.
2: And I don't know if it's like falling in love. It's more like I was born to it. It makes me feel um, necessary and alive. Actually, there's a real feeling of being alive when I'm making art. Like I'm at present and in the moment. So it's a good feeling, and it is. I guess it is a little bit like falling in love.
1: Hmm. And um, based on looking at your work, with all the detail and the intricacy of the the sets that you're making and the characters, how long does it take you? Um, to create your 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 work, your art.
2: Well, I didn't really know anything about making sculptures before I started making um, making the first piece that I made, which was of the of this series, which was the Conqueror Pig. And i really only started making this um, last year. I, I've just been like a house on fire. But the Conqueror Pig is a an image of um of a a pig who has the characteristics of a a man, and he's holding a possum, and they're in a basement, and there's another little possum behind him, and he's looking out a window. And so I started to build the basement first. I just had this feeling that, I I, I don't know, there's something about basements and the unconscious and the feeling of a basement. So I first started making the basement, and then uh, the pig... And then it all came together in this image. So, in that image in particular took about—I guess they take—they could take anywhere from a month to—you know—it really depends. Uh, the big sets take a couple of months to make and to shoot. Then there are some uh, quick quickies. I guess you could call yeah. somewhere. Or I could or I can set up a still life and shoot that really quickly in a couple of weeks. The whole thing could just take a couple of weeks. So, um, the big sets are really ambitious. The more the better I get at building them, the more elaborate they get and the more elaborate I want them to get. Um, and then and and it's kind of gotten to the point where I'm um, learning and more and more about how to make sets. Um uh and so I would I would say they're gonna start taking a lot longer to make. Because the next <laughs> that I have in mind is a laundromat and you know, that can probably take a long, long time to figure out. It's making things to scale and things just sort of change midway sometimes, like I'll get tired of an idea or it just won't work out and so I'll trash the whole thing. So I think when you talk to artists about how long things take to make, I think Picasso had the right answer. He said, somebody asked him how long a piece had taken him to work, and he said, this piece has taken me my entire
1: life to make. So, Good point. That's yeah. deep. Yeah, <laughs> Kind of deep. But, but what uh, I think is cool, though, Jada, is that, I mean, you started making these sculptures last year. And yeah. the the work that you've put out in the past year is pretty extraordinary.
2: Yeah, it's been a real, um, I, I don't come up for air very much. Um, I basically, I'm in my studio, um, you know, I, I still do some work, um, that pays actual cash, but, um, when I'm not there, I'm, I try to spend as much time, like, like full days in the studio with just the cats and me, and, um. And nothing else. And I'm very, I'm as happy as can be. I worry that I'm getting a little, little bit. I'm becoming a little bit of a hermit. But trying not to think about that too much.
1: (laughs) So you mentioned something about trashing some work when it doesn't, when it doesn't work out Um, in your process. Because I think we're we're in such a disposable time frame where people are looking at their phone for the quick hit, and they're looking for instant gratification. I mean, the type of work that you're doing, the art that you're creating requires commitment and time. So with your, um, with your recent work, has it changed your perspective on patience?
2: Oh, yeah. Especially since the black and white images were the once a week project where I was just Really being fast, and I, the reason why I was being fast with those projects, though, was to really get in the un, at the unconscious. You know, there was no
0: so filtering I have to do
2: something, yeah, and there was no filtering. These images, because they are they they are so detailed, um, I find myself really enjoying the process of creating things with my hands more. I have power tools now that I never had. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nailing things and figuring out how to be a carpenter, and it's all so new and fun. That you know, I, I understand what you're saying about you know people want things really fast, and I guess in in some ways that work that works for people, but I, I find that. Um, I find that this this particular work um, has slowed me down and sped me up in different ways. It slowed me down because it takes me a long time to figure out how to make a fake t v set and it sped me up in that I really do have to try to figure out what I want to do before I do it so the so I'm sketching more I'm doing more preliminary things, so in that way it's 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 bed up my thinking process because I have and, and what I mean by speeding up is that I have to conceive of a big picture now um, all at once and then fill in all the little pieces so for example I was thinking of making um, I kind of wanted to make a, like a rubble strewn field and I had to think really hard about how I was going to make little tiny bricks that look really like like really like like bricks and not like you know just chunks of something. So I'll spend, I'll wake up in the middle of the night wondering how am I going to make a tire to fit on that trailer. And then you won't even see the tire in the picture. So it's kind of funny, but I think it all adds something to it. So um, mostly what I don't want to do is get too caught up in the details and lose the big picture. So if I want to talk about um, like there's an image called, um, as long as I have you and it's, um, and this is the picture that the trailer is in. There's a, I researched Trotwood ta- trailers and I created, I built a, a, ver- a a model of a trailer and I, and, um, I put this, I made this little character that has, uh, is like a man with bunny ears and, um, and he's talking to a swan, and they're sort of in the middle of nowhere, and you, you know, and because he's in a trailer park, you know it, it's like not a, in the lap of luxury. So it kind of the, 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 the meaning of the image is that these that you know that you could have one friend, and it can be a nice friend. But um, there's always a little a little edge to my work where it's a little bit of a lonely existence, too, as you can see. I tend, to use yeah. a lot of, I tend to use a lot of bunnies in my images, and I've been thinking about this now for a while, because I seem to be drawn to bunnies, and I'm wondering why. And uh, the, my latest theory is that the bunny seems to be the, the, the animal that has the least amount of defenses available to it.
1: Except and that it's very fast
2: yeah they're pretty
1: fast,
2: but you know they're still you know they're still they're wired to be chased you know that's that's they are food <laughs> and um and and they're very sweet looking so i I really feel like we were talking about vulnerability before. I really feel like the the animal the the bunny has a certain amount of vulnerability that and, and sort of inherent creepiness to it because it has those long ears that, um, that really suit, suit many of my themes. <laughs>
1: Just mm. a
2: little side note.
1: <laughs> that's so interesting. On bunnies,
2: yeah. But you see, that's a thing. I spend a lot of time thinking about bunnies, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the creative process, the inspiration yeah, yeah. for the creative process. And on that note, we're going to take a break, but we'll be back in two minutes.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline.
2: Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: listening to The Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredthehealth.net Now back to The Womb Happy Hour.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to The Womb Happy Hour. This is Lorraine Giordano, your host, Uh, Jada Fabrizio, an American photographer, has joined us today. We're having a very interesting conversation um, about her creative process. And just to, uh, if you're joining late, please check out her site, her website, jadafab.com. You can also find her on Twitter and Facebook and um, Instagram at jadafab.com. And, um, yeah, let's continue, Jada, with our our conversation. You were talking about bunnies, your inspiration for bunnies before we broke (laughs) in your work. And um, can you talk about, you know, you touch on with your work some environmental issues. Can you talk about some of your images that relate to environmental issues?
2: Yes. um, I call it global warning. Um, There was... um, I, when I grew up, I grew up, I, I mentioned the beach before in the ocean, and I have a strong affinity to the beach and, and with, na- and to nature, but especially the beach. Um, and like so many of us, I'm concerned with, uh, the state of, the state of the environment and the uh, humanity's impact on it. And so in some of my images, um, and especially with one called The New Mortals, where I, Endow shells with personalities, uh, and have uh, have them like on a beach, and there's a spaceman behind it. Or I create, or I mix plants with eyes, um, like in the rose, I put an eyeball in a rose, and I mix lilies with fish. I'm doing these images purposely to have, especially with the rose with the eye. The the the, uh, the rose is looking back at you. So the environment is looking back at us. When we when I put the lilies with the fish, what I'm saying is, the 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 fish need our protection. Um, with the new mortals, what I'm I'm. What I'm getting at is what this is the new. This is what we're going to evolve to be. We're going to end up being, you know, the sea creatures if we're not careful. So I'm basically creating these strange combinations to ask a question about the state of the planet and to raise some awareness to, you know, the the fact that we belong in nature. It's not apart from us. Um, so there are a couple that that that's a big issue with me and, um, and we all have to do our part I suppose but um, I, I, guess, I guess just to have people at least think about it is what I'm doing
1: yeah and thank you for saying that I think on previous episodes we've not talking about art per se but talking about we are part of nature it's not separate from us so thank you for kind of bringing that 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 Thought up again, but in relation to the to the the images that you're creating, because it's yeah. very important.
2: Yeah, this um this new body of work because I'm not focusing just on me, um is really opened me up to to, um being able to. Um tell stories or, just bring awareness to lots and lots of other different ideas which is really fun and exciting for me. Another um, another component to my work is um, magic and um, and wonder. And, you know, some people have lucky hats or believe that, you know, so they have a lucky charmer of some kind. Um, or they believe that the essence of a person lives in, you know, like a locket. Um, some call it uh, magical thinking, but I think of it as an expression of hope. You know, like if you, you know, if like I'm really hoping that on Friday for my opening, the sun comes out. You know, and it's not a rainy, stormy day because it's down by the shore. Um, so I'm I'm just trying to like do some, you know, thinking. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I, this this isn't going to happen because you know I'll just wish it away. So it's kind of like hopeful thinking, which is something I like to play with, too. The idea of magic, the idea of wonder, and um, that's sort of fun. And
1: fun your exhibit do. that's starting on Friday, it's called Photographic Fairy Tales. Right. What was the inspiration for that name? Does that touch well, on the magic a bit um, that you were mentioning?
2: Yes, it's and they are sort of freshly minted fables for adults, so they they deal with like all of the issues that we're talking about. They're kind of more they're fairy tales and in a way fables in a way more. Um, because they're they're using these creatures and using these made up sets is just a way of me telling stories that is more accessible to people. So people see a bunny watching T V and, uh, and at the end of the day, it can be like, that's me, you know. At the end of my day, I'm sitting there with the remote, changing the channel. But by putting the bunny into it, it kind of lightens the mood a little bit. So even though these, a lot of these subject, the subject matter that I'm dealing with is very uh, serious and, and vulnerable and dramatic, um, the use of the figures really makes... Them more playful, um, so definitely, I, yeah. I guess you could say they they sort of walk the edge of being. You know, um, I, I want I want the viewer to ask the question. I want the viewer to be able to look at these images and want to figure out what the puzzle is and want to figure out what the story is. I mean, I've I've told you what the story is because we're on the radio, and and unless unless you have the image in front of you. It's hard for people to um, to figure it out, just you know, without seeing it. So, but I think what people in in the past, in my experience, when people look at the images, they're always asking me questions about it, and they're always there are always sort of different ideas about it. There's one image called um, the Exile Prince, and it's a man in a sort of a I guess you would call it some kind of fallout shelter. I guess it is a fallout shelter. Um, and he's got uh, horns coming out of the top of his head, and um, I love this image. I think it's, I think it's a, really, and he's in the middle of a, a conversation, like a frozen conversation, and you, and he's trying to explain himself. So I think that people can look at something and immediately make assumptions about what it is. Is it good? Is it evil? You know, is it, you know, should I be scared of this person without really getting to know what is really behind what the person's intention and the exile prince is that person is that person that you might have thought, oh, he's up to no good, but maybe he's not. You know, he's an exile.
1: So it allows someone who's looking at your image to kind of um, connect to it, they're very thought provoking. Well, and there is a lot of feeling to that's them. That's
2: the main thing, that people look at them and want to ask the questions and want to know more about them. And, and if I achieve anything in this show, and I hope some, some of you do go to see the show, I would love to see you there. Um, if, if you do go to see the show, you will, you will have questions afterwards. You will be, you will, these images will make you want to know more. And I think good art does that. I think, you know, interpreting art is up to the viewer. I don't think it should just be easy. I don't think everything should be easy, like you said before, like everybody wants everything immediately. Um, I think you have to work at these images. I think there's some, you know, I think it brings up a lot of issues, personal issues, maybe for you, personal issues definitely for me. Um, and that's where they're coming from. They're coming from a very personal uh,
1: perspective. but at the And same Jada, time, I'm going to have to cut you off because oh, we're going to have to break. But okay. thank you so much for being on the show you're and welcome. for sharing. And I wish you all the best. Uh, oh, Louis <laughs> says hello. I wish you hello, all the Louis. best at your exhibit. And I look forward to seeing it. And I highly recommend everybody check it out. And um, so you're going to be the there. Warm, happy hour. And I'm going to be there. That's I'm right? going to have my questions. <laughs> and um, we're going to have to break, but thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jada. Thank you. Louis was very quiet for most of the show, yeah, but now he he's did Jada. good. <laughs> and um, and so please check out Jada's website, jadafab.com. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. Remember to send a little, uh, little extra love and light to your creative energy down there. And we'll be back next
0: week. Thank you for joining us for the womb happy hour. Be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host, Lorraine Giordano, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America health and wellness channel. Have an excellent week.